Uh, this is Houston. Uh, say again, please. Houston, we have a problem. Okay. Here's the deal. I'm not here to waste your time. Okay? I certainly hope you're not here to waste mine. Let's talk about something important. Put that coffee down. Two little mice found in a bucket of cream. Now you put water into a cup, it becomes the cup. Be water, my friend. Welcome to Unstrategic, the podcast about digital strategy. Hey guys, I'm your host, Adam James Lamagna, and today we are going to be talking about strategy in account management. And I guess more broadly, we're really just going to be talking about account management because in essence, being an account manager is a strategic position. And I'll, exp- I'll explain what I mean by that a bit later. But I want to go over account plans with you guys today to really form the basis for strategy in account management. And just fair warning that today's episode is going to be a little over a half an hour, so longer than the normal episodes. But I do have a lot to cover, and I do have a resource for you guys. So if you want to go to the unstrategic.com blog and download the strategic account plan template, feel free to do so now. Before I get into the episode, I want to quickly take care of a question that I got from a listener about the opening sequence to this podcast. For those of you who don't know me, I am a pop culture enthusiast. I actually blog about tech, pop culture, and life at beingagile.com. Now, agile is spelled A-J-I-L-E. It's kind of a play on my initials, Adam James LaMagna. And the word agile, you know, we we use that in tech a lot. We're an agile team, or this is an agile project. Anyways, I'm a huge fan of movies and pop culture. So I write about that stuff. I write about technology, pop culture, and life. And it's kind of like my living diary. And, you know, all the stuff that I've learned over the years, and I'm, you know, continuing to learn to really help bridge the gap between the digital and the human. Anyways, the opening sequence are references to movie lines and interviews layered over different sound loops that I put together on GarageBand. But the movies are Apollo 13, Boiler Room, Glen Gary, Glen Ross, and Catch Me If You Can. And all of these movies revolve around some type of strategic initiative, whether you're trying to bring astronauts back to Earth safely or trying to sell real estate or stocks you have to be strategic about it, and you have to be able to solve problems. What's the problem? The problem is we have to replace three key players in our lineup. What's the problem? Same as it's ever been. We've got to replace these guys with what we have existing. No, what's the problem, Barry? The problem we're trying to solve is that there are rich teams and there are poor teams. Then there's 50 feet of crap, and then there's us. It's an unfair game. And the last line is Bruce Lee talking in an interview about martial arts. He says to be shapeless, to be formless when you engage in a fight or a competition. But I also think that's a metaphor for life. I mean, you need to be flexible and fluid in your own life. Because, hey, things happen. And this last line, I think, really speaks to strategy, especially in a digital sense. And and obviously, Bruce Lee didn't intend for that because digital strategy wasn't around in the 60s and the 70s. But it definitely applies, because when you're working with clients, oftentimes stakeholders, they're not on the same page. And as a strategist, you need to be flexible. 
formless, shapeless almost. If you get into a room and you're doing a working session with clients, but there's, there's no consensus on major goals, then you can do a goals workshop and kind of back into a solution. Or if they, they haven't figured out and found a single voice for their value proposition, maybe you use a value prop canvas and, and lay out the needs of the customer, their pain points, the jobs to be done. If there is consensus on, on value proposition and major goals, then be flexible and go into a persona workshop where you discover more about their customers. Or do a features and functionality tournament bracket where you narrow down the essential feature set for, for an MVP launch. Now that's just being a good strategist. Being able to ebb and flow with your clients and cater to their needs. Almost like being water. I said, empty your mind. Be formless, shapeless, like water. Now you put water into a cup, it becomes the cup. You put water into a bottle, it becomes the bottle. You put it in a teapot, it becomes the teapot. Now water can flow or it can crash. Be water, my friend. Man, Bruce Lee was awesome. I mean, he was a phenomenal strategist, and he, he didn't even know it. So, you know, the, the opening sequence is just referencing strategic moments and or philosophies. Anyways, let's talk about account management. What, what is account management in the tech, web, digital world? It's a, it's a good question, and I think it depends on what type of agency you're at or what size of the company you are a part of. Being an account manager can mean different things to different companies, and sometimes it's all about keeping a solid relationship steady. Other times it's more focused on sales initiatives. Account managers are called brand managers. They're called account executives. Sometimes they're called strategic account managers. But account managers really started to emerge in the 70s and 80s with companies like IBM and Xerox, uh, MCI, WorldCom. Remember those guys? Because for you, they won't. On net from MCI WorldCom. Talk to a human today about how Fuji Xerox can help you print less and print for less. Dave. IBM servers running Linux. What's a server? Good infrastructure. It can save you a bundle. Man, I miss those old commercials. But anyways, as I was saying, account managers really started to emerge in the 70s and 80s with, with those types of companies. And again, their purpose was to cover key accounts because back then, the majority of the business was made up by a few key accounts. And, you know, I, I know everyone's heard of this concept, the Pareto rule. It's also known as the 80, or better known as the 80-20 rule. It's probably still accurate today. So I know of agencies where 20% of their clients make up 80% of their revenue. So it's important to make sure key accounts are satisfied and happy. So as the history of account management rolls on and the, and the decades keep on moving forward, there was a shift in account management where it went from being focused on key accounts to being more focused on market segments and or industries, right? Because key account managers had focus in certain industries. And now account management 
in my eyes, is more focused on strategy and innovation and being that trusted partner that helps to propel the account forward with strategic initiatives and, and creative thinking and problem solving and, and coming up with innovative ways to implement new solutions for their clients. So I'd like to set a foundation for account management really quickly and talk about the, the pillars of account management. In my mind, the pillars of account management should, should really be three things. And the first is impeccable communication. And this is between the client and the project teams on the agency side. And, and I always say consider yourself an interface between client teams and project teams. I always tell people that account managers are like APIs. We can talk client and business language, but we can also talk strategy, design, and development language and, and communicate between those entities seamlessly. Now, this entails things like building trust and, and relationships. If you're a good communicator, you can earn a lot of trust. You can earn respect. You can build stronger relationships and really be seen as an advisor and trusted partner to your client. Now, the, the second pillar is adding value. You always want to add value to your client and in, your, in the interactions that you have with clients. Now, value comes in many different forms, and it means different things to different people. So once you understand the client landscape and the organizational hierarchy, because chances are you're, you'll probably be working with a number of people on the client side, and that's from CMOs to directors to project managers to support personnel. Each one of these people will most likely have different ideas of value. The project manager is going to be concerned with the status of a project. The CMO is going to be concerned about marketing initiatives and, and growth at the company. But most value is really being useful to your clients through making smart and insightful recommendations, helping their business to grow, and, and really having their best interests in mind. And then, you know, the, the third pillar to account management is really to be flexible. Going back to what we were talking about before, things change quickly on the client side, and you have to be able to adapt to things on the move. So ebb and flow with your clients and be able to do that with fluidity. And that really is your job as an account manager. Now, how do you actually go about doing something like that? Well, let's, let's talk about that. In account management, you'll want to put together what's called an account plan. And as an account manager, an account plan is really like your North Star. It's the beacon that you continually go back to, and you will rework this document as time goes on because once new information comes to light, things will obviously change. But an account plan, it does a few different things for you. One, it's a way to document and outline your agency's relationship with a client. Two, it's also a way to basically map the account. And what I mean when I say account is not only the breadth of projects that you've done with a particular client, but it's also the amount of money they've spent over the last year, the company overview, the organizational structure and hierarchy, things like that. And, it's, and three, it's also a way to get a sense for how to strategically propel the account forward and continue being that, that agency of record. Now, just a, a really quick note, are you guys at all familiar with Agency Spotter? 
it's basically a company and in, in a website that kind of tracks agency activity online and connects businesses with creative agencies. And they say that the average agency of record, or AOR, is about 2.8 years, when roughly 8 to 10 years ago, it was every 5.3 years. So basically what that means is, is that companies and organizations and brands are switching their agency of record uh, about every three years. So just keep that in mind. Account plans are going to help you get organized. It's going to help you be able to, to know your client inside and out. And you're going to be able to focus on really being that, that trusted partner for your client. And I really quickly want to let everyone know that an account plan is not something you usually share with a client because it's it's going to have some internal comments and it's just something that you, the account manager, should be putting together along with anyone else internally who has had a lot of communication with that client. But this is for internal use only. So again, you know, it's not something you usually share with clients. Okay, so if we hop on over to the strategic account plan template that is on the Unstrategic blog, you'll see that the table of contents is separated into a few key areas. There are clients, assessments, account status, account propulsion, and then account health. And we're going to run through each of these sections. So in the client section, the first thing we start off with is the client landscape. And this is where you put in the company name and your main point of contact. You know, say, let's say the company name is called Generica Core, and the company over, overview is something like Generica Core is a Fortune 1000 company that builds high quality software for development teams around the world, including workflow, testing, and QA tools, something like that. And, you know, usually you can find a lot of this stuff either on their website or online or on Wikipedia. It depends on the size of the company. But you want to put in type of company, you know, let's say they're a privately held company with, you know, with uh, revenues that are public. Um, what industry are they in? And you can get specific here. So you can put in technology and then you can narrow it down to like product development and then even narrow that down to digital product development. Uh, what type of service or product do they provide? What the, what's their annual revenue? I always like putting in when are they founded and where are they headquartered, and then you know giving you the the num you know put in the number of employees because that'll give you a sense of how big the company is, and then I always list out web and digital properties, and this could be a marketing site, this could be a marketing site plus a membership site or a portal for their members, uh, and and always you know list out the technology that are used on those sites. So are they using Salesforce for a CRM? Are they using you know, web trends or Google Analytics for, for web analytics? And are they using something like Eloqua or Marketo for marketing automation? Those are important because that'll give you a sense for potential opportunities down the line. And obviously, when we get into client and agency dynamic, that centers around the dynamic between your agency and the client's organization. So what's the history of the account? When did they become a client? Was this before your time? And if it was before your time, then you're going to need to reach out to people internally and ask them about how the relationship was formed. And usually you can do that with someone on like the biz dev or sales team. If not, you can always go up to leadership and, and get some info from them because they've probably been around the longest. But having a history of the account can be really important. And just for the very fact that it's a saying, right, those who don't know the past are condemned to repeat it. 
So all the information you can gather will just give you more insight into the dynamic of the relationship you have with that client. Now, figuring out their long-term business goal and vision, this is something that can be difficult to get because usually this information has been given to your agency already, and it's usually when the relationship was formed with the client. But as you build this relationship with your client, you're going to be continually adding to this bucket. Client goals and objectives, they change, especially in the short term. So just keep that in mind. I'm curious, is it strictly apathy or do you really not have a goal in life? I found that if you have a goal, that you might not reach it. But if you don't have one, then you are never disappointed. And I got to tell you, it feels phenomenal. You can always revisit goals with your clients uh, as time goes on. And then what, what services do you currently provide? You know, maybe it's we're providing development and maintenance right now. And what services could we provide? Say you want to provide strategy and design. And then you can list out the vision for the account in your eyes. So let's say we've been primarily a technology partner, but would like to make that shift into strategy and design focus work. Make sure that that vision is written down. And instead of just doing the maintenance and support work for your clients, say we want to have an opportunity to, to bid on the bigger initiatives that are designed uh, or design and strategy focus. Where, where do you see the relationship going a year or two down the line? And then you, you can write down three goals that are actionable that will advance you toward that vision. If you want to be more strategic with a client instead of just being a technology vendor, then start blogging about strategy on your, your agency website and send those posts to your client and do it within the next month. If the vision is to get your client to do a redesign for their website, then start planting the seed in your client's mind about how quickly things change in technology. That might be difficult to do depending on what your client's organizational propensity for changes, but maybe there's a new technology that they might want to leverage, or maybe you can implement a measurement plan for their analytics, something like that. You want to get goal-oriented right off the bat with accounts and write down at least three goals toward your vision. And obviously you can rework these uh, frequently. Maybe it's, you know, every week or every month you take a look at them and it depends on obviously how many accounts that you have, um, things like that. And just remember to, to be smart about your goals. And I'm sure everyone's heard this acronym, but be specific, be measurable, be attainable, be relevant, and be timely. So the next section is client assessment. Now there are a number of different assessments that you can do to get a better understanding of your client and the account. I've put in a few different kind of workbook style assessments that you can do on your own time, but I don't wanna to spend too much time on these because realistically we could break each one of these assessments out into their own little episode, and who knows, maybe I will. Um, but I'll quickly touch on each one. So the first one, SWOT analysis. Strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats. Strengths and weaknesses, those are internal. Opportunities and threats, those are external. I'm sure everyone's heard of this analysis. Social listening reviews. Now, they can be done a few different ways. I've always used a tool called truesocialmetrics.com, which will allow you to check your client's amplification rate, the applause rate, the, conver uh, the, the conversation rate, as well as the relative rate, and you can compare that with their competitors. It's a pretty cool tool. It's called truesocialmetrics.com, 
And the other thing I tell people is to just go on their social channels, their clients' social channels, and read the comments to some of the recent posts. That'll give you an idea of kind of the, the overall tone and how engaged users are with their client's organization or with your client's organization. Obviously, check analytics. I put up Google Analytics, but the main thing is you want to look for any web analytics that can show you kind of demographic data about visitors, what the acquisition is, what the engagement is, um, are there goals that are being tracked, and finally, if there is a certain behavior or user flow on the website. Knowing who's already on the site and how they engage and how they are engaged with that site or your client is super important. You can also do a PEST analysis, and PEST stands for Political, Economic, Social, Technological. Look at the questions that I wrote down in the account plan. And then we, we move over to a brand assessment, and this is really diving a little deeper into your client's brand. What is the purpose of their website or web properties? What's their overall reputation? Who's their audience? Who's their competitors? What influencers and disruptors are affecting the industry? Uh, and what are the website's most prized features? What functionality makes the brand stand out? And as a quick note to everyone, make sure you are super familiar with their web properties, your client's web properties. This is just good practice. You'll be able to talk with your clients about enhancements and improvements and things like that. Okay, then we get into the account status. And the account status is just that. It's the status of the account. And this has to do with past and current projects. So are there any current projects or initiatives that are going on right now? If so, how are they going? About the past, uh, about the past projects and initiatives, how did they go? How much money did they spend? How long did they take? Write that stuff down just to get a sense of what's already been done and what's currently being done. Then we go over to revenue. And annual revenue can be hard to get from an organization. I mean, usually, not always, but the, the larger the companies, uh, the, the, those are the ones that are going to be more transparent with what they spend on an annual basis. They usually have capital and operational expenditures, so large redesigns or you know new solutions will usually fall under CapEx budgets, and things like maintenance and support will fall under OpEx budgets, so capital and operational expenditures. But smaller clients, medium-sized clients, it can be tough to capture what their annual spend is because it's going to be different from year to year, and it will depend on other aspects of their business. So what I'll do is capture what I can. I'll outline it by solution uh, and then what vendor was used because you'll know if they are working with like a, a hosting company and your agency isn't providing the hosting, you can get a general idea of what they are spending on that hosting. Or you can just ask your client and then put in that amount and then put in any comments that you might want to reference for a later date. And as time goes on, you can get a feel for what they spend on digital initi initiatives over the course of a year. And then we move on to relationship maps or the relationship map. In any organization, there is always going to be politics. Ugh, that Barlow's a right-wing crackpot. He said Ted Kennedy lacked integrity. Can you believe that? Yeah, switch the station. I consider myself politically correct, and his views make me uncomfortable. No, 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 guys. No, I'm not very political. I usually think people who vote are a bit fruity. 
But for some reason, this Birch Barlow really speaks to me. <laughs> I've never been great at the political game, but I, I always attest that to just wanting to do good work. But politics plays a role, so you have to be aware of it. When you are working with an organization and working with several people in that organization, you're going to find that you'll have allies and you'll have protesters. And the allies will work with you. The protesters, they might work against you. And then if you're really lucky, you'll have a, a client champion. And champions will move mountains for you within their organization to help push initiatives forward. So this is a, a quick relationship map that just references the, the name, the position, say they're the CEO or CE, uh, CMO, or maybe they're the director of uh, digital. What is their influence? And this is where you can put, you know, this, this person's an ally. This person's a, a protester. This is our champion. And, you know, honestly, you might even have an enemy or two, depending on the size of the company. And just be cognizant of that political atmosphere at at your client's organization. Uh, this is also the section where you can put other vendors that you're working with or that are liaisons uh, between you and, and your client, or maybe you're the liaison between a vendor and your client. Um, it basically just kind of gives you a, a map of who you're working with, what influence they have, and how they all fit together and how those relationships work. Now, these this is something that will change frequently because people, especially in the tech space, leave jobs frequently. So again, keep that in mind and, and keep this up to date as time moves forward. And then comes the resource page or the relationship builder. Now, I usually do this in some kind of a Trello board because it's easier for me, and usually I have lots and lots of resources that I compile to be able to send to people, but it's important to have some type of resource page where you can input links to different resources that you find on a daily basis, and that just gives you ammunition kind of in your back pocket to whip out when the time is right. And I also, you know, I also call this kind of like the relationship builder grid, and you can separate it by white papers and blog articles, emerging technology and thought leadership. And then on the left column, you can separate it by what type of person would like what type of link. So you can say, hey, the CEO is going to like, you know, um, articles on business. The digital um, director are going to like articles on strategy or something along those lines. But put links in here so that you can grab them quickly and send them to the people who uh, you need to send them to to start building better relationships. The next section is account propulsion, and this is propelling the account forward, if you couldn't tell. It's looking at the risks, uh, coming up with ideas, looking at potential opportunities and looking at innovation. And the first one, risks, is basically a grid uh, where you can see what risks or barriers or even limitations there might be with the account and find ways to overcome it. Then you can assign those ways to a specific team member and then you can put in what resources will help you to overcome that risks. And risks can vary from small risks to very large risks like losing the account. And that's why there is a risk level in there. Obviously, high risks you'll want to attend to first before anything else. 
And then is the ideas page or, or finding insights. And I've listed out a few different kind of ways to come up with ideas. The first one is what I call 2020s. And this was something I used to use in sales. It's basically just spitting out 20 ideas in 20 minutes. And the theory behind it is that most of what you suggest in that time frame probably won't be worth much, right? But at least you'll have a few talking points and maybe two or three ideas that will really stick with your clients. So a practice that I have in the first week that I work with an account is to do the 2020s every day for that first week. I'll do 2020 each day. After one week, I'll have a hundred ideas that I can start talking about with the client. And out of you know 40 hours, you literally spend less than two hours doing this. And out of a hundred ideas, maybe the client will like 10 and maybe you'll end up sparking something within your client where they say, hey, Adam, that, that's an awesome idea. I think we should definitely do that. So you never know. It doesn't take much time in the course of a week. It gives you over, you know, gives you a hundred talking points and maybe two or three or four will actually work out in the long run. Then there's the jobs to be done theory, and it's, I'm sure you've heard of this, it's just a way to frame the solution and look at the executable jobs that need to be done for the website or the product. And then I always say, you know, leave, leave the office, get out and take a look at the real world, which is technically a piece of advice that um, Nikki Snow gave on one of our first interview episodes to uh, get outside because problems are solved in the real world. And if you're not familiar with insight channels, I've listed them here for you. Anomalies, confluence, frustrations, orthodoxies, extremities, voyages, analogies. And then we move over to opportunities. And opportunities is just listing out potential opportunities. What goal does it meet? Which services will you be providing? What's the potential timeline and budget look like? What's the estimated close date? And what status is it? Have you talked with your client about this or is just just in the idea phase. Is your client interested and you've been talking about this project with them, but it's in some kind of a stalled phase? It's just pretty straightforward stuff. And then we go over to innovation. And innovation is a tricky bag, right? Because you can you can kind of get into hot water with this. So, so be careful with this page. And you can get into hot water with innovation because it's likely that you and your agency are moving into unchartered territory when you talk about innovation. Now, let's say you're looking at innovative services and products. Let's, let's say you're looking at artificial intelligence and your client wants to have some kind of predictive analytics platform. Well, IBM Watson Analytics would be the thing to do that, but you've never implemented it as an agency. So you, you first need to figure out does, a, does it serve a purpose? If it does, move on to how can we implement this? Will it be easy? Will it not be easy? How will this help our vision? Remember going back to the vision and the client landscape? And then how much risk do we perceive? If it's low risk, then go for it. If it's high risk, then you might want to think twice about doing it because telling a client that you can you can do something and then not delivering on it will will damage your agency and reputation. And then the last one is account health. And account health is simply making sure you're always taking a gauge of what's going on with your client. 
How do they feel about things? Are they nervous about upcoming changes in the organization? Are they excited about a new project? How do they sound when you speak with them on the phone? How do you feel the overall relationship is going? How do you think they feel about it? One of the purposes of account health is to get your clients to become references for other potential clients, get referrals from them, get testimonials from them, do case studies with them. The list goes on. So I've separated account health into kind of an evaluation where you continually ask these questions and they, they're broken down into the three pillars of account management. So communication and or relationships, value that you're providing to the, uh, to the, the organization, and then flexibility. Are you being flexible with clients? So there's a, just a small questionnaire on the account health page that will help you understand if the account is remaining healthy. So I just want to say one more thing about account management. I feel like account managers have to have that right mix of left brain and, and right brain. Account managers need the business process, but they also need the design process. They need to have consistency and predictability, but at the same time, they need to be able to operate in ambiguity, and they need to be innovative and creative and novel. So I've always enjoyed being an account manager. I think it is a very strategic position. We always operate in the land of high level, and we need to know a little bit about every single facet of the project, the client, the account, the business, the agency, the industry, and the list goes on. So for all you account managers out there, I hope this was a very helpful podcast. Please download the template on unstrategic.com where the blog is. And if you have any questions, don't be afraid to reach out and, uh, and ask. I am your host, Adam James LaMagna. We will be back in two weeks for another episode of Unstrategic, the podcast about digital strategy. Thanks, guys. Cheers.